Welcome to the Bad Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my dad, Erwin McManus. What a great day it is to be alive. It is a good day. Today's a special day. Today is December 4th, and that is a Friday, and today is the day. Am I allowed to, like, shout? You're allowed to shout. I'm so excited. I know I have to always play things down. You're allowed to shout. Be cool, you know, but I'm just, I'm just really wired. No, we enjoy joy. <laughs> we back joy. We support joy. And today is the launch of my new collection. I'm so excited. So excited. And you've built out the website? We've done, well, we've, we've done it all. Yeah. The two, just the two of us. But the reason you I mentioned I, that, I can, can't can you tell people where to go? <laughs> ErwinRaphaelMcManus.com. So if you want to know more about the collection, if you want to see the pieces, if you want to be a part of the launch, go to ErwinRaphaelMcManus.com. Yes, and you can also go to our Instagram. It'll be in both of our bios, and mine's Aaron C. McManus. Yours is Erwin McManus. On but you Instagram. just started a new Instagram, too. For I me. did, but I don't want to tell people what the name of it is yet okay. because the name might change. But right now it is at Erwin underscore Raphael McManus, but we're working on getting rid of that underscore. But it's a process. All right. So... Well, this is this is exciting, and this is an exciting day. But I want to talk about something. You weren't letting me go anywhere negative in the last episode. You said oh, joy no. only, but I almost quit on Saturday because I just wasn't really feeling doing this anymore. I felt kind of alone, and so I know I'm not alone. But sometimes it's harder than other. Sometimes some days it's harder than others to okay. to realize that we're not alone in this. And then sometimes I don't know. I sometimes I get in my head. And I like it, my worst enemy. And I think sometimes self-talk ends up destroying my like ability to stay focused and stay disciplined and stay driven. So do you want to focus on self-talk? Or do you want to talk or you want to focus on um, how not to quit? Well, then something reinvigorated <laughs> me. I wrote something kind of dramatic, not dramatic, but something that was heartfelt. And then I posted mm -hmm. it on the Bad Ready podcast and then I got a lot of like a great reception and a lot of people being like, I knew that this was going to happen because you guys are doing two episodes a week and there's no way of not getting tired and burnt out. But I wasn't burnt out. It's not a burnout. That's the thing. I don't think it's just sometimes I just, sometimes when we create, I go, can we create anything new? And the last time we recorded the podcast, I was pretty done. I was pretty over it. You, you were brilliant in both podcasts. You brought so much to it and you really carried it. Thank um, you. But I was feeling done. With that said, then somebody tagged me in some alt-right <laughs> trash. <laughs> Made me mad. I'm not going to say his name because I do not think we should promote people that shouldn't be spoken of. Don't promote people you don't want to talk but, about. But, That's why I don't talk about that social media it, app with the little it was, bird. It was a person who was, I think was trying to be... They thought I was going to have their back in it. Because because you have a lot of conservative views, then people think, oh, then you're also going to carry these extreme conservative views, which you do not. Yeah, but you look at my bed sheets, they don't have holes in them. But I don't think that that... No, <laughs> no my pillowcases are actually pillowcases, not that KKK, alt-right, fascist stuff that you see. But I don't think that the person who sent it is that way. I just think that sometimes what no. happens is that someone who maybe is alt-right or someone who may be uh, alt-left says something you agree with and you don't realize that you're actually affirming way more than you just meant to affirm. Right. And that's I, so I'm gonna give that person the benefit of the Let me clarify. I don't think the person that tagged me or the person that got me mad are are pillowcase cutting No, uh, not at all. You know, KKK horseback riding people. The people the people the person I think speaking in the in the thing I got tagged in, I think is 
Well, I don't know if you he is. You should see what he's doing between the hours of sunset and sunrise. But I, I would say that... Um, Sorry, you're, you feel really uncomfortable with the way I'm speaking right now. No. I'll, I'll adjust. I actually don't don't feel uncomfortable openly, emphatically, um, unashamedly denouncing anything alt-right, anything white supremacy, anything that's racist. Um, I want to be really, really clear. Battle Ready goes to war against racism, yes. white supremacy, anything that is anywhere close to that conversation. Yeah, we also like are super not into uh, socialism and we're super not into alt-right. So like we find us somewhere in the middle standing proud by our <laughs> convictions. Yeah. Who is we? Who is we? <laughs> we is, we honestly, I don't know who we are anymore because I don't like who, we were talking about this like, I got mad at this person and they said something that like, th they said theology is greater than, and they use that super annoying greater than symbol you learn yeah. in math in like, you know, sixth grade, greater than, theology culture. is greater than culture. And I said, no, it's not because everything Jesus did, there's a phrase for the culture that people love to trash, mm -hmm. but everything Jesus did was for people. That's right. And not for the people they thought it would be for. Yes, that's right. And so when we say for the culture, he was actually doing it not to impress people, but to um, open the eyes of people who were furthest from him. Yeah, and so ironically, Jesus would have put culture above theology because Jesus did not come to give us right theology. He came to change humanity, and it's humanity that creates culture. It's not theology that creates culture. And that is the issue, though, when theology creates culture, i.e. Um, Calvinism, because there are bigger murders in the entire history of the biblical world than John Calvin. Look him up. Google him. Murder is never okay. Not even when it, was ha when it happened hundreds of years ago in the name of Jesus or God or religion, if anything, that's like, it's completely unacceptable. So if you're a Calvinist and you're listening, do the history, do the work, look yourself up and see what you're a part oh, so of. You just want to make everybody mad today. I don't make everybody mad. No, <laughs> I only want to make the Calvinists, the alt-right, the KKK, and anyone who's cutting their pillow sheets up. That's it. And then Tifa and the socialists. Well, no, wait a minute. I like Sam Harris. He, me and him are cool. We're good. But I'm not going to let you uh you can do whatever you want but i i don't believe that socialists fall in the category of all right no let me explain why let me explain why go into the fine print of the blm movement no that's not that's the, but they don't define all socialism you can be no a, no that's right that's not that's what I, that's yeah that I'm, but i is like far no, left because you can be a socialist and genuinely care for every single human being you cannot be a racist or white supremacist and genuinely care about all human beings. And that's why they're not equivalent sides of the opposite spectrum. Isn't the interesting thing, though, that like wasn't, and this is not the comparison I'm making yeah. right now, I'm also being mostly facetious. So if mm -hmm. you're like coming at me right now being like, I pause this because he's thoroughly offended me and who is Aaron McManus to speak on any of these things, you have to understand. This is a little bit fun. It is a little bit fun, though, right? Like, we have to have some fun. Yeah. Be a little dramatic. I do mean a lot of it. <laughs> but, you know, like, if you're a part of the KKK or you're part of the, like, Antifa, like, I don't want you to come after me. That's not why I'm saying this. But do you want them to listen to battle already? Yes. I want them to because I want them to be changed. I want them to know Jesus said their hearts change. Mm -hmm. 
right? Yeah, any ideology that gives you an excuse, a rationale, a reason to think you're superior to another human being or to hate another human being is evil. It's destructive and it's wrong. But, you know, yes, 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 to all those things. Mm-hmm. I'm just on to the next, the next thing. Mm-hmm. Because it does feel like, well, one, the last time we... I don't want to go into this. We're in it, though. Yeah, I'll say it made me nervous. Look. What makes you nervous? Um, it made me nervous when, when I used to be on Twitter when I realized that there are people who were alt-right, who were genuinely white supremacists, who who thought because I'm a Christian that I would agree with them. Like, I'm like, in what universe does evangelical Christianity have anything to do with white supremacy, except I'm going, oh, it's unfortunate. There not only is a universe, there's a history. And... And so maybe the best thing we could do in this episode is to say that uh, Jesus has no room but in the, his tribe um, for white supremacy or for racism or for hatred of another human being based on, on anything. On any level. Yeah. Yet the Not la- even belief system. Well, th- isn't this interesting, though, that the last, like the last, we could say great, but last yeah. prolific or famous or infamous socialist that existed in the world... Was the German socialism, which became Adolf Hitler's, I don't know, even know how you describe that. Well, Nazism. Yeah, but what was it before? I mean, he wrote, was it um, Mein Kampf as a Socialist mm-hmm. Manifesto? Would you consider it a Socialist Manifesto? I mean, they call it a Communist Manifesto. Yeah, it is a Communist Manifesto. But wasn't Socialism and Communism kind yeah, of they're, together they're similar in, enough that era? in that in that era? Yeah, yeah. Back then. Everything was called communism, and uh, it was more refined as socialism. Well, and, and, I, and I bring this up because I've been watching Peaky Blinders. Mm-hmm. And the, <laughs> but in the fifth season, there's a whole there's a whole thing going on. And, and right, obviously, mm-hmm. like P- Peaky is like loosely like based off of the truth. Mm-hmm. But there was a man named Thomas Shelby. It was mm-hmm. Peaky Blinder. It was like an old gang out of World War One that came back when the Irish didn't have any place kind of in British society. They started mm-hmm. like underground economies to right. kind of smuggling booze and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Not condoning any of that, but it's a really great show. Fifth season, there's this whole narrative I had no idea even existed because I didn't realize that like Adolf was married by, um, uh, what is his name? Who's the, who's, who's the Italian? Mussolini? Mussolini. No, no, sorry. He wasn't married by, he was mentored by Mussolini before he ever wrote Mein Kampf. Mein Kampf. And then the guy in Peaky Blinders, who's like the, the, the right wing nationalist Mm -hmm. was actually married by either Adolf or Mussolini. He was married to his second wife by... Can someone do a fact, fact check? check this? Yeah, yeah, this fact is interesting. This. Like, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, whoever the main British guy I'm is, I'm gonna cons- confess ignorance, and I don't know, but I'm really fascinated. But it is, but like, no, but it is interesting how like the so times Hitler was at the wedding of the, essentially the, the what who was Oswald Mosley, who Mussolini and Hitler were trying to turn into the British Hitler. Mm-hmm. They were trying to like create. Was it na- um, the the fascist nationalist? The British Nationalist Party. British yeah. Nationalist Party, which was basically a socialist, fascism, yep, right? socialist party. Yeah, yeah. And so they, so they were trying to rise him up. So Peaky Blinders, whatever. That, but like yeah. that story, basically, they tie him to this guy because they're trying to embed him. But I find it interesting that that is like one of the last socialist movement we've seen on Earth, other than in China. Well, and Russia. And in Russia, but which continues. Whatever Russia is mm-hmm. doing, 
mm-hmm. let's let them do that because I'm afraid of all Russia. I do think it's fascinating that China, China's communists and they have no health care and no universal health care. And Russia is socialist and they have one of the worst universal health care systems on the planet, maybe just ahead of, of ours. I don't know. But um, I, I don't want to necessarily go there completely except to say that ideologies can can be effective or ineffective right I, I, and yeah but um, but you don't always want to assume that every person who holds an ideology is um, everything that the extreme expresses no but I do think that you when you are a part of something you do need to look at the history of in which you of what you are a part of absolutely I and, think you need to yeah you need to look and see what have you just connected yourself to right and, you know? and people can say that with, with religion but yes. I'm not connecting myself with the Catholic Church or even with the medieval church or the even or even Martin Luther a part of the Reformation or even necessarily Southern evangelical Christianity you, definitely and most definitely not them. You're connecting yourself to the movement of Jesus Christ. Yes. An ancient mm-hmm. theology, an ancient, an ancient movement, right? Right. Where, so when you look at the, the, but the originators of socialism is, it's pretty dark. Yeah. The I, originators of Calvinism, yeah. it's pretty dark. And um, you don't want to comment. Well, <laughs> I'll comment. Do but well, my I just point, don't know why you're putting them together. I'm putting them together because because I'm because I'm saying like like the left was the right, and the right was the left. That and they both have to that. There's yeah. a lot of dark history on both sides, mm-hmm. and I think if if they addressed the dark history versus like it's so evident that we need to create a new system, mm-hmm. not a new system of government, but a new like a new party mm-hmm. or a new way of. Uh, connecting what we care about mm-hmm. into a political movement and being represented on like a high level. Mm-hmm. It is very clear that we have pretty much old white guys or guys who were appointed by old white guys in the White House. It mm-hmm. is so clear that it's like a game and we don't know who's the one it's dealing it It's definitely a good old boys system. It is a good old boys system mm-hmm. that somehow Barack Obama figured his way into. Which is extraordinary. You know, on a, just a bizarre side note, um, I couldn't sleep last night. So a lot of times when I can't sleep, I begin dreaming and creating stories and everything like that. And I had this uh, idea for um, an alternative history where somewhere in Mississippi, there was um, a plantation owner who somehow grappled with the reality that slavery was evil. And then on his 500-acre farm, he created an internal nation inside of the South, and he educated all the African slaves who came over and set them all free and told them that all this land that we have is a shared property, and if you leave this property, and you're allowed to because you're free, but it's not a safe world out there. And I had this whole idea of creating this alternative world of what it would have looked like if one plantation owner had had the the courage and the integrity and the sense of righteousness to create a free nation inside of the United States before the Civil War. And, and I think the reason I was imagining that was just a reminder to myself 
that even if the world doesn't meet up to the standards that I believe are the human ideals, that everywhere I have power, I can create that kind of world. Everywhere where I have influence, I can initiate this better world. And so, I mean, you bring up several things that I've never been particularly fond of. I, I, I've always been a person who has been strongly opposed to Calvinism uh, because I think it's an elitist ideology of election that God selects people to be saved and sex other people to be condemned to hell. And that view of God to me is, is so nefarious that um, I think it actually distorts the character of God. And yet it's one of the most popular movements in America, and I don't think we realize that it is really rooted in, in a cultural elitism. I, I do think it's important, this conversation is important because ideology have history, and they have momentum, and they actually give you a view of the world. And what I want— Can you the, change ideologies? I think you can among sincere people. I think that having conversations like Battle Ready are important because if you, if you and I disagree on a way of seeing the world and we actually respect each other and have conversations, we might be able to come up with a new way of seeing the world. It's not just either or. And I remember years ago, I, um, I, I was in a conversation with a very well-known uh, Calvinist, and we were, driving to, uh, we were walking through the parking lot, and he looked at me and he said, look, it's either ultimate power or ultimate source. I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he goes, either God's ultimately powerful, and so he decides who's elected and who's not elected, or it's ultimate source that God only has enough power to save certain people. And, and I remember listening to that. That doesn't even make sense. I know. And, and I remember calling my brother saying, so this is, the, this is the dichotomy this guy gave me. And Alex said, well, the real question is, why? <laughs> why are there only two choices? And the problem is whenever someone gives you just two choices, you can know that your thinking is being manipulated. There's always a third way. There's always a better way. There's, there's probably lots of ways. Yes. And that is, and that, and and for every person who's taking that and saying Aaron's a universalist, <laughs> I do think though that is how we got universalism. Like we were talking about this, like yeah. a, like the origin. Like I'm sure whoever created the idea that all roads lead to God was someone who was deeply empathetic. Yes, because I think they were even countering things like Calvinism, saying that the mass of humanity has been elected for condemnation. And I think that people genuinely want people to be better off in the next life than in the last. Right. And I think it's—I always find Calvinism ironic or odd because it is a pretty, like, spiteful view because it's saying, well, it's nice that you exist, but— your existence has no purpose because only I've been chosen to go into the next thing. And I always find it so interesting in, to that because I, I've always seen God as someone who is, who would lean more that if you can, that when in my presence you can admit that I am God, I would ra he would rather have people who are more universal than people who were saying there is no chance that you can do it. Yeah, I think that um, if you're going to be wrong about a view, the wrong that... Uh, says God's going to find a way to get everyone to him, regardless of our beliefs, is, is, is closer to the character of God than a view that says uh, God has condemned all of humanity to hell so that he can be 
famous and glorified and uh, and only redeem a small number of people. That view is less compatible with a God who is holy and a God who is merciful and a God who's loving. But then the other side yeah. would say, but there's a God that judges and there's a God that, that is king and he is ruler and he is... How is it that we have such a medieval view of God? Yeah, I think some of it is that we assume that God would use power the way we would use it. And um, and that's not the way God uses power. I mean, even Jesus coming to serve humanity, putting a towel around his waist and washing his disciples' feet. Rode in on a donkey. Yeah, telling tells us that God has a very different view of power and the way he relates the, to humanity. The donkey thing is so not my style. That's the thing. <laughs> the thing that bothers me with the donkey is that I'm like, Jesus, Jesus why we got to do this? Like, there's There's cute girls here. <laughs> Why we gotta ride it on a donkey, Jesus? Like I could just see one of them being like, "Jesus, for real, get off the donkey." <laughs> <laughs> no, but I remember one time I was having a conversation with, um, with the two guys who started um, Life Is Good, and we were at an event, and they were asking me about my. I spoke at an event, and they were asking me about my spirituality. They said, "You seem like a really spiritual person." I said, "I am a deeply spiritual person." And one of them said, "What's Life Is Good?" Uh, they're like a brand. Oh. Uh, they used to be a, a, you know, kind of a lifestyle brand. Oh, cool. or, you know, cool, cool. really, really positive, optimistic guys, and from the Northeast, and 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 one of them said, "Are you? Do you have the kind of spirituality that believes everything is the same?" And I said, "No, no, no. I have too much respect for people to say everything is the same." Right. And and so we don't realize that when we say everything's the same, it's actually an incredibly insulting, dehumanizing statement. Because to, to believe that a Buddhist and a, and a Muslim and a Christian and a Hindu and an atheist are really in the end all saying the same thing, it's all leading in the same direction, is kind of an insult to a person's free will and their personal intelligence. I like taking people um, from a position of respect. If you, if you have a belief system, I'm going to respect that this is what you actually believe. I'm not going to try to manipulate it to make it look like it's really the same thing I believe. <laughs> so, okay, yes. So you would say to my, what I said about universalism versus mm -hmm. the one in mm -hmm. true way to mm -hmm. go to heaven. Because I would believe that you do need to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Yeah. But I also do believe God is a merciful God. And yes. I don't believe that that ends in our lifetime. Yes. So I do believe that at, in like, in the moment where we meet God, when we die, mm -hmm that that his mercy does not end. Yeah. Does that make sense? And everything that we learn in the Bible, which may seem like a contradiction, I think leans to God's mercy and never God's judgment. Because even our existence in and of itself is him leaning towards his mercy versus his judgment. Yeah. And that's why it's interesting to me when people talk about like when bad things happen, like COVID or tsunamis and Christians go, that's the wrath of God. I'm going, have you read the Bible? Because the Bible actually says that the wrath of God was actually placed on Jesus. And so that all the wrath of God uh, was fulfilled in his death through his crucifixion. So if you believe the Bible, then how are you still talking about all these things happening because of the wrath of God? Because actually what Jesus came to do is he came to unleash to all of humanity the grace of God the compassion and mercy, the love of God, so that that would be the singular experience we would have with God. We were talking about this in the car. I think in the car. 
I don't mm-hmm. remember things as well as these days because the day oh, this was one of our theological well. conversations. This is, but we were, I was having this conversation of like, Dad, have you ever thought about what happens before everything happened? And you're like, <laughs> what do you mean? I'm like, like obviously, if God, well, here's the thing: if God created us, mm-hmm. who created God? And then everybody's like, well, no one created God, but then how did God become God? Or was God just always God? I said, those are the very things that used to give me migraines <laughs> when I was a kid. What happened? Like it, But by it, definition, God is the one who is eternal. So then do that we... there is no before and no after. But even the idea of the <laughs> alpha and the omega signifies a beginning and an end. But what happened before the alpha? What happened before the beginning? Right. Because we talk about God creating the heavens and the earth in seven days, but what happened on day zero? Okay, I'm going to say, first of all, that I'm old, but I wasn't there. <laughs> I know you weren't there. But, but, so you're asking me for a personal description of what happened at the beginning of all things, and I'm starting to wonder if I'm looking my age. And, uh, this Is this pointless to go into this? No, I think this is, this is one, um, a part of where theology becomes philosophy, okay. because we don't know. We don't know. We, we don't understand how God is eternal. It goes beyond our comprehension. So we, But that's where we ended up. We talked about like our ability to fathom and understand. Yeah. It's why we only give other people two choices. But this is how we know there's a God. Because the concept of God is outside of our experience. That there could be a being that is eternal, that has no beginning, no end, that is outside of time. Every description about God is in complete contradiction to all of human experience. So how did we conceptualize this? How did we have this concept outside of our reality? And I think this is where the fingerprint of God is on the human spirit. That's so fascinating, right? Because it's like for all from from all of history that we can understand and, mm-hmm. and from from us today to the Phoenicians, there was this search for something beyond themselves. Yeah. So where does this innate search come from? See, I think that's like the proof of God. Does it come from inside of us? Or does it come from seeing that there must be something else on the other side? Yeah. Yeah, the proof of God is not in the discovery. It's in the exploration. It's it's like you, you don't search for God and find a bottle and you go, wow, there's God. The proof of God is in our exploration that that we're on the search for God. It's like, uh, could I ask you like a personal question? Sure. And um, sure, and then m- maybe not. <laughs> okay. Are you? Are you? Would you say that you're searching for that, for that, that love that with another human being that would last all your life? I'm saying I'm open to it. <laughs> I'm saying if you're out there, three one zero seven 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 five 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 seven 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 seven. <laughs> um, no, no, let me just... Yes, I, yes, of course. There's something in me that longs to be with someone else. Right. But, but and, everyone and it, who pretends... But it longs... You long to love someone completely and to be loved completely. Of course. And... and I'm y- down to be loved partially. <laughs> I'm down to be loved in fragments. <laughs> you don't even have to like the whole album. Just, just like the single. You have way too many metaphors for this, and they're coming so naturally. And uh, but here's the point: 
that kind of love is not a love that you've experienced yet. No. I've loved people. Yeah, no, I'm not saying you haven't loved and haven't been loved. But no, I haven't been married, no. All right. But then I see married people, and maybe that's why I haven't been married. <laughs> All right. <laughs> stay, stay with me on the idea. I am, I am, I am. <laughs> because your soul can actually comprehend something that is almost transcendent. It goes beyond your experience. Yes. And, and, the, and then ironically, this, this elusively transcendent thing becomes more important than even the things that you can touch and hold and feel. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would say yes. I would say that's true. Yeah. And, and I, I think that, that that human longing for human love is a shadow of our soul's longing for this transcendent divine love that um, we, we've not experienced this. We can't even define it, but our soul's still long for it so much, it's more important than anything we can actually attain in this life. Mm. I think that's the power and beauty of, of who Jesus is. It's, I mean, if you're God, I mean, I don't know how many languages are on this earth, right? There's a lot of languages. There's at least more than like five languages on the earth. And I mean, if you're God, how do you communicate in a language where every human being can, can understand? And the language of God is Jesus. That the language God spoke to humanity is the life and person of Jesus. So that we could understand who God is and how he feels about us. See, sometimes I I would say this. If I, if I ever struggled with the reality of God, mm-hmm. it would never be... It, no, no, here we go. If I ever struggled with my faith, which I do all the time... Mm-hmm. Um, it would be with the idea of Jesus more than the idea of God. God mm. is easy for me to understand. I don't fully, because I understand that I can't fully understand him. <laughs> but we're like, Jesus, I'm like, mm, okay, I like it. I like it. <laughs> I do. I, I like it, and I, and I think it's a beautiful, I think his life is beautiful. I struggle with some aspects of it. Mm-hmm. but But I think it's okay. Like, I don't. It still doesn't mean I don't believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I accepted Jesus into my my heart, but it's but it's harder to understand for me than it is for God to understand. Because I can understand the limits of my humanity. Mm-hmm. I understand that I when I do this, things are not created. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That, you, do, you do that so well. I, I thought I. Like, I think if, you've been practicing. <laughs> yeah, I did. But but I also do understand that that. That the way God has interacted with humanity has always been through humanity. Mm-hmm. And so understanding even the stories that God has given us and understanding the, the, the lives that he's placed inside of mm-hmm. there's the Bible or in human history mm-hmm. is, is a representation of us understanding the personality and the character of God. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus, even though I have a harder time with Jesus, I'm like, there is no doubt in my mind that how does one man become that singularly influential he wrote on a donkey. There is nothing cool about that other than the fact that it's not cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and mm-hmm. it is like everything he did is such a representation of, I think, the way God interacts with humanity, but then mm-hmm. the way God wants humanity to see him. Because I really struggle in the Bible. I struggle with this line, Jesus is king. Right, but I, I don't know if you struggle 
or King Jesus. That's yeah. really. I think you struggle more with the way Christians tend to describe or paint Jesus. Like I, I, because it seems to me like you, you do. You, it bothers you when people talk about you know, like King Jesus all the time or something like that. Well, I just hate it. I don't think it's. I just don't think it's like. But I think it's because you feel that people are making creating an image of Jesus that Jesus actually didn't make for himself, that he came and really painted a picture of servant Jesus. Yeah, re- yeah, for sure. You, you know, yeah. and... Well, because King Jesus is let down. Servant Jesus is, is, is an exemplary... Example, yeah. Yeah, example of, of, of the way to live your life. And I think everything he did was antithesis of King Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You said to me one time, everybody who lived during Jesus's time expected Jesus to come as this king on a white horse and in like in like splendor and grand, you know grandeur it's king Jesus they wanted yeah, him to come Jesus. as crusader king Jesus who come and save the world and they were disappointed because he didn't come like that he came as servant Jesus yeah a sacrificial lamb yeah and then you said to me i wonder if we keep projecting this image into the future because we really don't like the way he came the first time, so we're hoping he gets it right the second time. For sure. We're always <laughs> so disappointed in Jesus. And maybe he is... We are now the same people that didn't believe him the first time. And maybe that's a part of the way that we keep misrepresenting him because we keep trying to create a King Jesus Christianity rather than a servant Jesus Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow, we're going into Christmas. And... And the story of Jesus is born of a virgin, of a woman who is uh, not of nobility or wealth or power, um, in a story that brings shame and dishonor and disrespect. Yeah, because it's interesting, right? Jesus yeah. was a bastard. Like, like yeah. it, to the rest of the world, Jesus is a bastard. Jesus is John yeah. Snow. I don't think we've talked about it on this podcast before. No, John Snow is a perfect metaphor of For Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and if you ever, if you ever, if yeah. you don't like Game of Thrones because there's nudity, sex all the things battle of the bastards is the greatest episode of television i think i've ever seen like if you're into like action like braveheart mm-hmm. gladiator but that's the it's the greatest i think representation of like this is this john snow who's of royal blood mm-hmm. but is it is taken in as a bastard because they're trying to hide his true identity because his true identity would be dangerous for his own life mm. and then he doesn't he comes to find out who he truly is l- later in 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 this story mm. and that is jesus and I think, I think we have such a hard time with this understanding that, and I use the word like bastard. Is that going to be cut out? Do we need a, is that? No, I think it's an ancient word, right? Like that's a, yeah. Yeah, I think, it, it, I think you I used it, it in a, a very appropriate way. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I said, and, that, and it's, it, it carries the weight of importance. Yes. Yeah. I don't say that to degrade Jesus. I say that because yeah. if you're looking at it from a human perspective, yeah. this is who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And that is the brilliance of Jesus. He yeah. came in a form in which the rest of the world thought it was more interesting. <laughs> because if he had come the king of the Jews, the rest of the world would have gone to war against Jesus. Mm-hmm. But he came lower than the rest of the world. They didn't know how to go to war against him. And he didn't know how to go to war against him. Yeah, and so and he unlocked to... the hearts of, of, of everyone. And it was the Jewish people who could not yeah. be unlocked. Yeah, so this, you know, we, we love the romance of being born in a manger, being born in a barn, you know, born in this simplicity, this poverty, this humility. But we 
still want to create the um, the white horse image of Jesus because we think it's just better for him. <laughs> you know, we, we feel yeah. like Jesus is it's still, better PR. Yeah, he he still mismarketed himself. He didn't really. He, he, so we need to upgrade Jesus to make sure everybody knows. No, no, he's 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 King Jesus. He's all powerful Jesus. He's White Horse Jesus. He's, you know, he's you know judging the world Jesus. He's all powerful Jesus. Yeah, fear him, Jesus. Because we still don't believe that the narrative God chose to be a servant, to be a sacrifice, to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is the more powerful story of God. My favorite thing that I think just utterly destroys Calvinism is the fact that the Magi traveled across the land to go and give gifts that the unelected were chosen to see and understood that people who did not believe in God but were open to God, that were open yeah. to the universe. Wasn't that the unraveling that, of all the Gospels, that everyone that Jesus accepted was someone who was unelected? What, oh, we <laughs> they had, were not you yeah. know, the, the right people, and that was part of the problem for the religious leaders. And this may be maybe not the topic we want to end with, but I, but I want to talk about it because I did get an email of someone, and it was a really heartfelt email. It was really open, and we get a lot of mm-hmm. amazing people from around the country, around the yeah. world. So. You have to understand if you're listening to this from New York or LA or major city, it's different than the Midwest. It's different than the South. It's a different perspective. It's a different background. Sure. And from Europe to Australia, um, there was a young guy. I think he was a young guy. He was asking me like, hey, one of my best friends is gay now and he's getting married. And I accepted him and I loved him and I've been his best friend still. Mm -hmm. But do I, would Jesus go to his wedding? Do I go to his wedding? Mm Mm-hmm. And it was kind of long, and it was really like he wasn't trying to be judgmental. He was genuinely trying to understand. Sure. But what I didn't like was that he answered his own question because <laughs> he's like, because I don't think Jesus would, and da 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 da. And I was like, that's the problem. We answer the question, and I just responded because I was so tired when I got the email. I was like, nope, Jesus would be there. Hope you go. Like a hundred percent, Jesus would be at the wedding. He would be yeah. at the wedding. He'd probably be in the front row, and he probably would have turned the water into wine afterwards too. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> I, like, I just don't, I just yeah. think we, we, we've we never understood. Jesus always did things that we never understood. And that's why I always think, like, like okay. It's, it's, it, it's such an interesting imagery because Jesus would go to the party with the tax collectors. Yeah. And, and that ruined his reputation because he was with, quote, those sinners. Yeah. And, and to this day, we haven't got it right. We still think we shouldn't be in the wrong rooms. And yet that's the right room. And, and but I'm, we should be in the wrong rooms, but we should be the right people in the wrong rooms. Yes, we shouldn't be the wrong people in the wrong rooms, and that's the issue when when we turn into the wrong people in the wrong rooms. Yeah, that's who not that's not who Jesus was. Jesus was the same person. He in was those rooms. always the right person in in the wrong rooms. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and what's interesting is even when he was in the room with all the Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law, they were they were still the wrong room. Yeah. They just couldn't see through their own self-righteousness to realize that room was just as bad as any other room Jesus had ever walked into. Maybe worse. Okay, I think we should end the podcast cuz it's so good, but I really want to go into the went to Solomon's temple. But we'll do that the next <laughs> the next one, the next episode. Are you do you feel good on ending on this? I do because um when Jesus stepped into the world when he came and was born of a virgin, he came into the wrong room because not one of us deserved God to come to us. But even that branding, born of a virgin, yeah. 
because to the people who are insider, we understand he was born of a virgin. To the outsider, he was... He was uh, right. Was he really a virgin? <laughs> but he didn't protect his reputation because he never intended to protect his reputation. He was going to allow his reputation to be tainted by his friendship to us. Because it wasn't about his reputation. It, it was, was about who he was. It was never about him. It was always about how he loved us. So that I, that, but that brings the question up, and we were going to wrap up, but I know I'm not done yet. Um, <laughs> would it change who Jesus is if she wasn't a virgin? Would it change who Jesus is if, if you know, I don't know. And the ironic thing of all of this is that if God had chosen to do it differently, it wouldn't have changed the story. It just happened to be the way God chose to do it. Uh, and I think part of it is because he wanted a defining marker that he spoke through Isaiah hundreds of years before, that it would be a virgin who would give birth to a son. And that became the defining characteristic for the Messiah, because so many people could have said, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah. So God needed something that could not be replicated by someone else. Mm. Only God could give birth to a virgin. So that became a clear-cut filter to know, ah, Jesus is the Savior of the world. Also, God just works in such unique ways. He called the bank shot before he ever shot the shot. <laughs> He was like, Isaiah, real quick, bang. And then thousands of years later, he's like, made it. That's a Steph Curry. He shot the three turn and walked away and but, said, it's going but, in. <laughs> but, I, okay, I asked that question and people are going to be tripping, I think, yeah. about it. Because it doesn't change who Jesus is to me. Because on one side where I question so much about Jesus, it wasn't the virgin birth. It wasn't the magi. It wasn't. It was just simply the fact that he was so clearly sent from God. Mm-hmm. And God called him his own son, and he called God his father, and that it was so clearly that, because it doesn't make sense, because I'm not able to fathom it, because why right. would God do it this way, is the only probably reason why I believe it. And I feel like he changed my life, so that's, yeah. there's lots of reasons, but I'm saying, that doesn't. it's not like that any one person saying it louder over yeah. a microphone makes me believe it more. Yeah, you know what a lot of Christians what? don't want to admit, because it feels unsafe? Oh, no. We, we will argue all the facts in the Bible mm-hmm. to prove that Jesus is God. But the reason we believe it so strongly is that we've had a personal encounter with Jesus. It, it's like it's, it's the encounter I've had with Jesus in my life that I can't shake. And everything else is just information that helps validate this unexplainable reality that I didn't even believe in Jesus and I had an encounter with him. Okay, we that gotta, changed my life. It's that that one. It's that's just spurred so many more thoughts. So I want to take this up. Can we pick this up on whenever we record next? All right. Hey, I want to talk about the voice of God and how I can't ever hear it. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you can hear his voice, but you've learned how to ignore it. Well, I feel like I read the voice of God more than I hear it. Okay. Well, now we're ready for the next well, episode. No, because I want to talk about like synesthesia and the voice of God. Because we were talking about synesthesia two nights ago at dinner. Yeah. So I want to talk about that. Okay. All right. right. Hey, man, this has been a really (laughs) fun battle ready. This is fun. Hey, if you uh, were listening today and you felt insulted by anything we said, keep keep listening. No, no, no. And uh, we we really want to uh, dive into deep, meaningful issues. And Aaron, I want to just commend you for always having the courage to dive into stuff. Everybody else tiptoes around. Because uh, I've actually gotten questions uh, personally that said, why are you not a Calvinist? Yeah, and well, so I it isn't like, true. That's and, the first part. Like today, I think was a really, maybe a helpful 
explanation of why I'm not. And, and yeah, I know you cut out part of what I said, but I would, I do think that it would be amazing for you to sit down with, with, you know, that guy, the Calvinist, the head of the Calvinist movement. Well, there's America. not a head. There's a, quite a few people, and there are people that I really. Well, whether he says, he's the, I don't think he ever said he's the head. I think people have kind of looked to him to be like kind of one of the main spokespeople. Yeah, 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 yeah. and. And for me, having the conversation about Calvinism with Christians isn't as important as it is. I want people without Jesus to know that God chooses you. And that's what is important to me. If you're listening and you're wondering, wait a minute, did God choose me? My answer is yes. Yes, 100%. God chose you. The, he's just waiting for you to choose him. Yes. And that's what I think is so important. Thank you for listening to the Bad Ready Podcast. Uh, we get into some trouble here. So see you soon. And I'm really excited. And today's the day that we launched a new brand. So check it out on Instagram and erwinraphaelmcmanus.com. And I'm glad you listened and stayed and listened with us and followed us and felt awkward with us. So That's awesome. You can rate and review the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and you can um, leave a comment on the Instagram. We love you and we'll see you guys next week. See you, see you next time. See you next time. Bye.